But I'd like to label this message this morning, the prayer of a triumphant woman. In the story, Hannah, the wife of Elkanah, uh, she's a faithful woman that is committed to prayer. She's committed to having humble communication with God that includes not only talking to God, but also listening to God. And if you struggle with prayer in any type of way, I just want to encourage you this morning from God's word that God answers prayer. That he hears your prayer. That he sees your distress. He sees the pain. He sees the suffering. And he does indeed answer prayer. Even sometimes it may feel like he's not listening. Sometimes it feels like he's not going to answer prayer. I just want to encourage you that God does answer prayer. And I think that Hannah is a woman that is the quintessential example that we can look up to for inspiration and motivation in our prayer lives. If you notice, she is very persistent in her prayer. She's consistent in this. Uh, there's a scripture that talks about the idea that uh, we should pray without ceasing. And I think in a lot of ways, Hannah is a woman that, that constantly prays. But also know that she's not alone. In her trouble, in her distress, in her uh, anxiousness, she's not alone. I think that's encouragement for us because sometimes when we're going through things, when we're going through troubles, we think that we're the only ones going through it. And I'm here to tell you that no matter what you have been through, what you are going through, there is people that can relate to you, that can resonate with you because they've been where you are. Very similarly, I think with Hannah, we see in the scriptures throughout the Bible how women, some women can be barren or struggle with infertility. When we see in Genesis chapter 11, verse 30, 30, it says, now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Genesis 25, 21 says, and Isaac prayed to Yahweh for his wife because she was barren. Genesis 29, verse 31, when Yahweh saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel, the one that Jacob wanted, was barren. Even here in chapter 1, the pastor alone preached on last week, but to Hannah gave a double portion. He gave a double portion because he loved her, though Yahweh had closed her womb. And we can ask the question, why did God do this, or why is he allowing this? I think that's a fair question, but for whatever reason, God closed her womb. One thing I will suggest, too, is in Scripture, anytime we see uh, women barren, women that have some trouble with infertility, um, the child that's born end up going to do miraculous things. God uses them in some special way. We can even look at Elizabeth, right, in the New Testament. We see that she was barren and she gave birth to John the Baptist, who was the forerunner for Christ. 
Even with Hannah, as we will continue on in this series, you'll see that Samuel was used mightily by God. And that doesn't take away the pain and the, sh- the struggle and the, and the suffering per se, but I do want to encourage that God is up to something. And sometimes we don't know what exactly it is, but we can say that our God is up to something. This morning I want to explore what the prayer of a triumphant woman looks like. The first thing it looks like is joyful expression from God. We see this in verse 1. And to be clear, I just want to say that there are different types of prayers. It's not just one type of prayer that you can pray. There's so many different ones. We even see in chapter 1 that Hannah has different types of prayers contrasted to this one in this text. I want to suggest a couple of different prayers. One of them is the breath prayer. Uh, This is the prayer that some of our brothers and sisters that were in slavery as they were in the field, that they would breathe a quick prayer. Lord, help me. That counts. That is a prayer. Lord, help me find a parking spot. That is a breath prayer. That counts. One of my favorite breath prayers in the scriptures is the one where it says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. It's one of the sweetest breath prayers in all of scripture. That's one element, one kind of prayer that you can pray. Another one that I like is, I call this the snotty nose prayer. (laughs) This is the, the, the prayer where you are literally pouring your heart out to God. You're in distress, your spirit is troubled, you're in anguish of some sort, and you are snotty-nosed praying to God, crying all down your cheeks. And the snot is coming out of your nose. I know that sounds nasty or whatever, but I have a five-month-old daughter, and I see some of the snotty nose. I'm not sure if she's praying or not, but that is an aspect, and that is a prayer, and God honors that. That is okay. Another aspect to a prayer, this is more of the, 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 the uh, contemplative nature of prayer. Maybe we're, you know, Psalm 62, your soul wait in silence. And again, as I said before, prayer is humble communication with God. That includes talking, but it includes listening. And maybe you're listening to the words of God as you sit and meditate in silence. That's also another form of of prayer. But another one is the triumphant prayer. And this is what we see with, with Hannah's prayer, also known as Hannah's song. It's triumphant because it's celebratory. After pain and suffering of not being able to conceive, God answers her prayer by giving her She's praising God for what he has done because he is gracious, because he's good, because he's the God that cares. Keep in mind, she kind of got what she wanted because if you remember, 
she made this prayer to God and she vowed that she would give her son, her child, to the Lord. Remember, when she was weaned, when he was weaned, she gave him to the priesthood, probably around the age of three or four or so. So as a mother, she gives birth and gives the child away. And then every year she would see him. But if you think about it, that's not really what she was asking for. I think she really wanted to be a mother that was going to be there day in and day out, week in and week out, all of the motherly things that she would have been able to do. In some ways, this is still a sacrifice because she gave her child away. So God did answer her prayer to be very clear, but maybe not in a way that was expected. And God has a tendency to do that. He answers our prayer sometimes, but sometimes it is so mysterious, so strange, so weird that it's not fully what we would like. But God indeed still still answers. When we see in verse 1 here, it's celebratory, it's triumphant because she says, my heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. That word exalt there in the Hebrew has this tendency to mean to feel some type of extreme happiness, some type of extreme elation. Have you ever been so happy, so uh, uh, happy about something that you are just elated about it? Last night, I actually went to the WWE wrestling event. A couple months ago, my brother asked me to take him to the WWE event, and I said, sure, no problem. And growing up, I used to watch wrestling a lot. I mean, I think it's part of most people's childhood. But as I go into the arena, and we're, we're there, and I'm just like looking, and I don't, rem- I don't know this, I don't uh, uh, recognize any of the wrestlers because it's all new. I'm sitting there thinking, where's The Rock at? Where's Stone Cold Steve Austin? Where are the people that I'm familiar with? But my brother, he is a fanatic when it comes to understanding wrestling. So he's telling me all the backstory, and he's telling me about these different characters, all these wrestlers. He was so excited, so full of joy, so full of happiness. I've never seen him this happy in my life. As I was there, he was like, can we do the meet and greet, John? And I said, I got I to gotta finish the sermon. I got I to preach tomorrow. But he was so full of joy and so full of, full of happiness that I think that that is what the text is really trying to communicate to us. That Hannah was happy, her heart exalted. Notice this, though, in the text, that her happiness is not derived from what she got. Her happiness is derived from that prepositional phrase, in the Lord. 
Her happiness is rooted in who God is, not in necessarily the circumstance or the blessing or whatever the case may be. I think that's a lesson for us to learn that ultimately we have to be satisfied in God. Yahweh, the personal name of God, the relational name of God, is the source of happiness. Notice that she also says and mentions her horn in this verse. Now, I know that sounds weird, but it says, my horn is exalted in the Lord. In the ancient Near East, horns were typically a symbol of strength, of of security, of posterity of some sort. I believe Hannah understood the scripture in Psalm 75, verse 10, where the psalmist clearly says, all the horns of the wicked I will cut off, (laughs) but the horns of The righteous shall be lifted up. I think in some ways she may be referring to, she may be referring to the other wife in the text here as her enemies. Because you remember that other wife, that was the one that was tormenting her. That was the one that was making fun of her for not being able to conceive. Remember, she had the other children, but Hannah couldn't at the time. And I think Hannah is referring to her as her enemy. Can you imagine that? Year after year, not being able to conceive, and you have somebody essentially picking at you, making fun of the weakness that you have. Not just from the village that she was in and the community that she was in, but also in the own household that she was in. This is interesting and this is strange, but Hannah has this celebratory, this victorious type of posture because God answered her prayer. I think the triumphant prayer of this woman is thankful. She has a posture of thankfulness, but it also is rooted in the character of God. Verses 2 through 5 really explores that it is rooted in the character of God. When you read Hannah's prayer, it also can be referred to as a song. Notice how many times God's name is mentioned. Probably around 10 or 11 times. We can say that Yahweh's name is mentioned and it is saturated in her prayer. But what characteristics about Yahweh is mentioned. Well, we see clearly in verse 2 through 5 that God is holy. God is holy. Uh, He is sacred. He is completely other. Uh, It's kind of hard to really explain the holiness of God, but that is one of the chief attributes of what God is like. And to be clear, too, God's people are called to be holy like he is. But she starts by saying, there is none holy like the Lord. But she doesn't stop there in the character of God. She goes on to say that God is the rock. In other words, there's a, a solidness to him. He's unshakable. He's unmovable. There is a sense that it is he is strength. God is the rock. He also mentions, too, that she mentions that God is a God of knowledge. 
This is all in her prayer. She's just appealing to God's character, what he is like. He's all-knowing. All the knowledge there is is bound up in God. All the Google searches that you can ever do, all the facts there are to ever be known, and even the things that could be known, God is all knowledge. He's all powerful. He's almighty. He's all strong. This is what she's appealing to in her prayer. I'm going to be honest with you. When I was preparing for this message, I was really convicted by this. Because I don't pray like that. I mean, how many times have we actually prayed to God and we are appealing to his, his character like this? Maybe some of you here, you do that because you're a better Christian than I am. But I just think that this is a helpful framework for us to constantly think about no matter what we're going through, no matter the challenges, is to always think about the character of God. This is something that I think is very, very important for us. Also, I want to say, too, when we look over into the New Testament, uh, Mary, the, the, the mother of, of, of Jesus, she has a similar song and a similar prayer as well. What do I mean? Uh, turn over to Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56. We won't read the whole thing, but turn over to Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 56. I want to show you something here. Notice here that in Mary in verse 46 in the gospel of Luke, she starts off happy as well. She says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Notice that she also appeals to the character of God, the characteristics of God. Verse 49, she says, for he is mighty. He has done great things for me. There's that word again. Holy is his name. She also appears appeals to the mercy of God, verse 50, and his mercy for those who fear him from generation to generation. The theologian J.D. Otis Roberts uh, articulates and describes mercy as the compassion shown toward an offender or an enemy. It is a disposition to forgive or forbear. God is merciful. Amen. Somebody. It's a good thing that he is merciful because he's able to forgive us of our sins. Mary also is appealing to his strength in verse 51, his strength with his right arm. Again, we can probably say that maybe Mary was influenced by Hannah's prayer and Hannah's song. But notice how they're rooting their prayer in who God is. And as a lesson that we can learn from 1 Samuel, particularly Hannah, I think is to anchor our prayers in God. It's to anchor our prayers in who God is. 
God is unchanging. God is loving. As I said before, God is merciful. God is compassionate. God is slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. God is also a judge. But God is also the creator of heaven and earth that created you and me in his image and likeness. If we continue to keep going on about the qualities and attributes of God, we can also say that God is a rescuer. God is a deliverer. God saves. And yes, God answers prayer. Perhaps you've been praying for the salvation of a friend or a family member, and maybe God has not done it yet. Maybe you are here and you've been praying for uh, to, 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 to conceive. Or maybe for whatever reason, the Lord has not done it yet. Maybe you're here and you've been praying for a new job or a new uh, relationship with somebody or Whatever it is, you can fill in the blank for whatever it is that you've been praying for. And maybe the Lord hasn't done it yet. Let me say this to you, Roosevelt. There's been certain things that your pastor, I've been praying for for years. And let's just say God didn't answer the way that I would like for it. So I get that it's difficult. I get that it's hard. I get that it's challenging. I get that it makes you want to even cry. And that's okay. That's totally fine. That's totally okay. To go before the Lord and bear your soul out in prayer. But don't forget who he says he is. And not only who he says he is, but you know him to be as we preach as we are in community as we pray we know the god of the bible we know who he is but i feel like sometimes in the moments the enemy wants to confuse us and tries to take away what we know to be true god is either who he say he is or he's not my encouragement for all of us through the difficulty, through the pain, to believe him, to believe who he say he is, to trust him, to trust in his character, to trust in his attributes. The triumphant prayer of this woman is not only a joyful expression from God, it's not only rooted in the character of God, but it's a reminder of the actions of God. We see this in verses 6 through 11. This last section in Hannah's prayer, we see the Lord's actions, and we see that there's positive to his actions, but there's also negative to his actions. Positive, he makes alive. He lifts from the ash heap. He exalts. He calls people to inherit thrones. He seats people. All positive things, all good things. But there's negative to it, too. It says that he will thunder. He will judge. It even says that he brings death. There's a contrast between the faithful ones and and, and the wicked ones. The faithful ones are those people that trust and believe in God. 
And the wicked ones are the ones that, that don't. God will, 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 will judge. Hannah also makes mention of a king before there was a king in Israel in verse 10. What's going on here? In some ways, this is very interesting because maybe we can say that not only is her prayer triumphant, but maybe it's also prophetic. Maybe her prayer is prophetic, it's prophetic in the way that it's talking about the coming of a king that would rule, that would reign with power and might and glory. This is a beautiful prayer. It's a beautiful song. And the encouragement of Roosevelt for us, I think, as we think about this prayer, as we read this prayer, for us to be in awe of it. Because of the awe and the glory and the character that we see in this great God. Again, Hannah is a woman that has gone through a lot, but she still is able to praise God in the midst of that. As I said before, imagine a little bit how she would feel with prayer being answered somewhat, but also still having to give up a son. But she still has a level of victory and triumphant because of what God has done. The encouragement is for us in the midst of what we are going through, whatever season of life that it may be in, let's bring our whole selves to God, knowing that he is ultimately the one to save us, to redeem us, to answer our prayers that we have, and know that for him, there's nothing too big or too small that he can't handle. Um, whatever we may be praying for, God is big enough to handle. He may not answer in the exact way that we would want him to, but God, in some ways, <laughs> he answers mysteriously. So imagine that this triumphant prayer that maybe you're too weak to even pray. I want you to lean on the triumphant prayer of Hannah in your situation. And hopefully it will give you comfort, it will give you encouragement, and it will give you hope that he will answer in his timing. And the church said, amen. Let me pray. Father God, we want to bear our souls to you and pray in sight of your character, in sight of who you are, through the pain, through the struggles, through the difficulties. Lord, we pray that you are trustworthy that you are good and you do good, that you're merciful, that you're gracious. And even though things go on in our life, go on in our life that we don't fully understand or fully comprehend, we ask, Lord, that you would give us the peace that will surpass all understanding. Because your word says that you are the true peace. So help us, God, as we 
cry out to you individually and corporately as a community, as your children, as we bear our anxieties and our worries on you because you do care for us because you are a caring, loving God. So Lord, we come before you asking you all of this in faith for who you are, Jesus' name, amen.